Hey everybody, welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm your host, Tyler, and would you know it, it is the 1st of February as I'm recording this intro, and it is beautiful outside. I might actually go rollerblading today and try to not feel insecure about being a grown man with orange elbow and knee pads. <laughs> oh yeah, and wrist guards going rollerblading, but you know, it's going to be fun. So I hope that image makes you laugh. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, I am currently not drinking coffee, doing some tea because vitamin C and there's a bunch of sickness going around. So I'm trying to keep those energetic levels going. Uh, and in doing so, I'm just going to skip right into the intro for this week's episode with a guest I had a tremendous amount of fun talking to. Now, uh, oddly enough, I reached out to this guest last July, I believe, just before the strikes occurred. And uh, since then, you know, things have been crazy. Projects are going up and down. And finally, after, what, almost six months, maybe even more, <laughs> we finally had a chance to, to sit down and talk about his career. And, of course, I'm talking about the great Quincy Dunn Baker, he is a just phenomenal actor who you may have noticed in projects like The Righteous Gemstones, Only Murders in the Building, Black Mirror, and you definitely remember him from last summer's big comedy, No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. It was a blast talking to him. I can't say that enough. It was just a lot of fun. So we touch on everything in this episode, you know, how he came upon acting, his move to New York City where he stayed for a long time building his career, and a very just memorable, almost like, like historical party story that he will share. I won't spoil it. Of course, it's probably going to be spoiled in the show notes here, but just stay tuned for that one because it was fantastic. So without further ado, everybody, please help me in welcoming Quincy Dunn Baker. Yeah, my name's Quincy Dunbaker. Uh, I am an actor, uh, voiceover guy, dog dad, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. A lot of people have a lot more of those than I do, so I'm a little jealous. But yeah, just uh, <laughs> actor and do some voiceover stuff. Surprisingly, well, I guess not even surprisingly, uh, most of the time when somebody hears dog parent or pet parent, that's all we focus on, at, you know, for feedback afterwards. So I, uh -huh. I got asked. I'm a, I'm a dog dad too. Oh, what nice. kind of dog do you have? We have a sheepadoodle. She's a year and three months old. She's, she's pretty awesome. Holy cow. Is she just a spitfire? Yeah, she's pretty wild. She's, uh, yeah, two pretty high energy, like working breeds. So she, it takes, uh, I've never seen her be like gassed. We, we bring her to like, we used to bring her to, we got her in Miami and we used to bring her to like this dog daycare down there. And they would be like, Birdie is has a lot of energy um we had to grab her and put her in a crate to make her chill because like every dog was asleep and she wouldn't stop so she's like insatiable when she gets around other dogs and has like unlimited energy but she's also learned to like get in the biorhythm of our house and chill out of it but she's uh she's not she is not chill for sure <laughs> yeah how i mean i'm just i'm curious because i have an 11 year old aussie oh wow who, uh he's slowing down uh, slowed, slowed down a little bit, but he's still a nuisance in the house right after he uh -huh. eats food. He's just like really energetic. How yeah. long did it take for you guys to like adjust your pupper to, Hey, this is bedtime. We're not going <laughs> to, 
man a while i kind of like blocked some of it out because we got her when she was like a, a puppy so i there we we were down in miami long story my, my girlfriend was finishing uh her phd program down there so i went with her for the wow. last six months in the beginning of last year and so that whole experience was kind of a blur but we it was pretty wild i mean she she was like we were trying to get her to go to bed and she's like getting the zoomies and we were just like dude what are we gonna do she barking we're like in, in this like condo building she was like barking and freaking out and like just could play all night but then she learned to be pretty chill so she like can turn it off so i think it took it took like four months maybe and that then she would like sleep and chill and then when the sun comes up she's like wake up it's time to rage my day is started yeah my day started and so is yours get up <laughs> Dude, did you that. get did you get your dog when she was a puppy have you had her for 11 years no uh so i met my uh long story short as well i met my girlfriend uh tail into 2019 and at that point uh our dog's name was finnegan he was uh he's seven years old i think he was just about seven and I hadn't had dogs before, you know, I, I, but he's one I just fell in love with, but he's the biggest asshole on the planet, mm -hmm. man. Just no, he's not a snuggly Aussie, uh, at all, but he has his moments. Uh, yeah. so I've been in his life for, you know, about four ish years or so. And I've just kind of taken over that dog dad label, you know, it's, yeah. and it's, it's funny. We made a joke about it. Uh, it was at a callback. I was with a bunch of friends. I said, yeah, it's funny that the, the, statistics are when you pass 25 you're going to date a single parent of some type mm -hmm. i'm like oh well i mean dogs count too right <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah i think now they do i think <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah he's he's a he's a blessing man but that that's a lot of energy and i uh sorry i let us on a tangent because once i heard dog I'm like i, I gotta yeah, no worries i gotta expound upon that but sure. uh the first initial question i always ask anyone who comes on the show man is this industry is crazy especially the last year we've had I just always want to know why, why this career, why did you mm. dive into the performing arts into entertainment? What drew you Interesting. I think I, I had a lot of, it took a lot of convincing to be honest, like everybody's got a story about how they got into it. And, you know, I, I think for me, like I grew up in a small town in Middlebury, Vermont, and I never considered acting a possibility i didn't even know what it was i had no models for doing that i thought like actors were like from a farm underneath the like hollywood sign i had no idea like what that what i was even watching when i was like watching people act and i um to yeah to try to make a long story short i i, I was like not a very good student in like ever but in high school i got in trouble a bunch and i was like the class clown and uh my brother was dating this teacher's daughter and she sort of knew me peripherally and i got sent to detention when i was like a junior or sophomore junior in high school and it was just her there and she was like all right asshole you can either like sit here and just like be at detention or i'm like taking you down to this place because you're like i'm just like gonna just go follow me basically to this like room in the vocational center and i was like what dude like what are you talking about so we like walked down this long ass hall i don't think i'd ever even been in this like wing of my high school where it was like the auto shop the wood shop the fucking like sorry Am I, can i swear <laughs> no you can go yeah for sure okay. cool that's all whole part of my vocabulary so we're like walking down and i was like this is so, what where am i going 
And she takes me to this place called ART, which was like this little like program for kids from like multiple counties around Middlebury, Vermont. And it was like a little arts like program. You got like a writing credit, an elective credit and some other thing that I needed. I was like, dude, this can be like a great little like fuck off class for me. So I get there and she opens the door and there was like eight kids making paper mache masks. And I was like, bro, no, 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 (laughs) dude. And she introduced me to these two people, Candace and Steve. And they ran this like as close as you could get to like a little acting, little artsy, like tribe of misfit kids. And um, I was like, this is super weird. I don't even know what I'm doing. So I talked to these people and they were like, I learned kind of what it was. I'm already like, I've totally bored myself telling this story. But yeah. um, uh, essentially it was like a little theater like group in the back corner of the vocational center of my high school. And it was my junior year, I think. And then I had sort of talked to these teachers and it seemed cool. There were like pretty girls in it. It seemed like I could like escape just going to regular class. And I applied to be in this program in my senior year. I was, and we like wrote one acts. We like did skits. We like made paper mache masks. I wore like clothes from a trunk. It was totally like small town theater camp, weird thing. And at the time I was the captain of my hockey team and it was like two completely different worlds. So I was like playing super seriously playing hockey and thought I was like going to go to college for it. And like, that was going to be like my path somehow. And then at the, on the other end, I was like in this like theater camp with like some hilarious characters and i did a couple one acts we did a shakespeare play and that was like my exposure to acting and it was exactly what you i was like me doing voices and thinking it was all an escape and like doing characters and like doing bits and i was like this is pretty cool and then i um it came time to like figure out if we wanted to go to like audition for schools. And the guy that taught the program, Steve had gone to acting school at North Carolina school of the arts. And it was like the end of the, the, whenever you're applying to colleges, I don't even remember when that was, but he was like, if you want to go to like acting school or even try, if that's something that interests you, we're going to New York come there's like four other people going i'm gonna drive down in a van and we're gonna like audition for a couple schools and i was like uh okay like i had no other prospects really i'd audition i I'd, i applied to a couple other colleges just regular liberal arts schools didn't really know what i wanted to do went to new york to audition for these schools and um for, i don't even know what happened by some kind of weird cosmic divine intervention I got like terrible food poisoning, like right after we got there and I threw up all night and I like, couldn't move. I couldn't talk. And we woke up the next day and I was like cracked. I just like, couldn't get out of bed. And he was like, I'm taking these kids to like audition. And basically I couldn't audition for acting schools. And, uh, I just went home and ended up going to this liberal arts school that I'd gotten into. And, uh, 
this is such a long story. And I, and, and I, and I went to this liberal arts school and I got mono and I came home for three months because I was super sick. This is, there's so many stories of me, but, um, so I go home. Um, I, I hadn't liked being at this college. It didn't really make much I didn't really know what I was doing there. I felt mm -hmm. like I was just sort of a placeholder in my life. Um, and I went home, I, I sort of bumped into this guy, Steve, and he was like, how are you? And I was like, not good, dude. Like I'm home. I'm sick. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I, I thought there was going to be like acting classes or whatever at this college. And there wasn't. And he was like, well, I'm going back to New York if you want to like audition again. And I, uh, was like, I don't know, man, I was like acting dude. Like what, how do you, what does that even mean? Where do, what is it? How does this even, and it was the first time I sort of like thought it through and I was like, this isn't, this just sounds like so hard and weird. And I don't know anything. I've never even like done a play. And he was like, but you're like, good dude. You're like good at this. You, you have like something you seem to enjoy it. And, um, I remember later that week I went fishing with my dad. And I was like, you know, like pretty sick and weak and like sad. And I was in this fishing boat with my dad. And he was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, you should go to go to acting school. And if you don't like it, like, we'll come get you. And if you don't want to do it, we'll figure it out. And uh, I think that convo with him uh, made me be like, it took a little pressure off and made me feel like it wasn't like the rest of my life wasn't going to be like this crazy weird journey towards whatever acting was going to be. So I went to New York city again and auditioned for schools, got in everywhere that I auditioned, which was shocking <laughs> and ended up going to North Carolina school of the arts where my teacher, Steve had gone. And, uh, that's kind of how it happened. And it felt very, I don't know, like, uh, kind of divine intervention on, on everybody's part. Cause there was no, I just had no like model for it. I had no, I'd never seen anybody be an actor. I'd never known anything about it. I hadn't even ever done a play. So that's kind of the rest is sort of history. Wow. man! became an actor, I guess. Well, that it, it's, it's a very interesting story too. Cause it seems like every time maybe you were going in too early, you know, or mm -hmm. way too green for yourself, something in your body was like, no, 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 let's give maybe. him mono. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> there's just yeah. A, a blockage there, but I do want to uh, like touch on the conversation with your, with your dad, man. Cause I did a lot of the time you hear the stereotypical story of, you know, parents saying, don't waste your time. No, go be a sure. lawyer, go be a doctor. Sure. Did your folks enjoy, you know, like theater at all or film or T I mean, was there my parents? That yeah. I would say they liked the, they always liked theater, but I okay. would say like my parents are both artists in a small town. They sort of were both like runaways and like ended up in Vermont, uh, really young and met each other at a gallery. My dad's a jeweler and my mom ran this gallery and now owns a store. And both of them were super into art and the arts and sculpture and painting and all that stuff, but never were really, like super into film. Like I never, like my parents never introduced me to any movies or acting stuff, but certainly they were really supportive because I think they had, they, they weren't doctors, they weren't lawyers. They were like artists that had gave it a go and were uh, doing well enough to make a living. So I, I'm 
super grateful that they were supportive because I went to school. When I got to acting school, it was like people from all different walks of life. There was like yeah. people that were like, had just played like Orphan Annie at their high school or like one of <laughs> my classmates had played like Willie Loman and shit where you're just like, they'd like bent, they'd like been in the biz for fucking like 15 years already. And I was just like, dude, yeah. I've never even done a play. So there was very, and then there were people that they were like, I basically had to like escape to come here. Like my parents are going to like disown, like people's parents were like so pissed that they were at acting school. So I was really grateful that I never felt that pressure of like, before I even tried to do it, my parents were already like, you're a failure. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty important and, and a pretty cool, I don't even know if my dad would remember that, but it was, a, it was a pretty cool convo where he just was like, fuck it, dude, who cares? Just go. If you like it and it's fun, just like go. Oh, well, I'm glad like, even if he doesn't remember that whole conversation, that that's a huge standout in your life. You know, yeah. like you're going to hold on to that for the rest of your life. And yeah. I mean, going to acting school and I can completely relate to falling into this industry and you meet those people you're like oh i've been doing this since i was five like, yeah it's cool man you're like sick dude. I, cool yeah <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it till like six months ago um <laughs> but you know you you go into acting school man and you're in this this whole new world and you're diving into you're diving into your craft afterwards you know you you kind of have to pick a region to to really make yourself a career or, or do something yeah. so what about New York stood out more than Los Angeles or did you go to LA for a little bit and check it um, out? That's a good question. We actually like, I am of a generation. I'm old enough to be like color headshots just became a thing when I was getting out of school. Like yeah. there was no like Los Angeles contingent to our like showcase thing when we were done with school the next year, the year after me, they all went to LA for showcase and stuff. So that was like before, TV and film became like a thing that we should try to pursue at the time. It was kind of like all theater, which is crazy to think about. Like when I graduated, it was like the job was to like do Shakespeare in the park or like be on Broadway or like do a musical. And now it's like to do like a Netflix show or like yeah. a huge movie. So it, I, I like, there was no LA part of it. So I went to New York, got agents right away. And I never even like considered LA. Nobody went to LA. It was like every single person just graduated and like moved to New York, which was pretty wild. Cause now it's like, I bet it's like 50, 50 and people get like the, the young people graduate now and like sign with CAA and they're like crushing it in like two weeks and moved to LA. I don't know. But when I, when I was there, it was like a really slow burn. The, uh, yeah, like the biggest jobs you would want to do is like a play at like MTC or like mm -hmm. a play at roundabout or something would be like, bro, yeah, I've arrived. <laughs> so that's, wow, that's really, yeah, I man. didn't, yeah, there was no, uh, there was no deliberating. I just, I just like did what I was told and went yeah. right to New York <laughs> reported for duty. I, uh, I've been to New York a handful of times in my life. I've never lived there, but I can only imagine going there as an actor. It's probably just, overstimulating right you're yeah, looking for an apartment and a job and you're doing auditions it was crazy yeah <laughs> my, I, when i i was uh dating a girl that was older than me that went to my school and she graduated and was like immediately on a soap opera so oh, i shit. moved into her like fancy apartment in soho <laughs> and i was like dude this is sick like she was making money and i was had a little t like cushion you know like i like worked a summer job and i didn't have rent to pay and stuff at the time and uh 
it was a pretty rude awakening when we broke up and I was like living in somebody's literal, I was like living in like a, like the, like the mud room of an apartment, like deep in Queens. Yeah. And I went from like living in like, where like, you know, a celebrity lives to like living in the middle of nowhere. So that's what, yeah. A couple months after I got to New York, I was like, holy shit. And, um, I was fortunate enough when I first got to New York, I like got my, it was a, ridiculous, but I, I booked the first two theater jobs that I had, I got, which was, and I was literally like, here we go. Fucking see you later guys. This is that. <laughs> see you guys. Like I was like, I am, I am Marlon Brando. I am unbelievable. <laughs> I, and I, and, um, and I did, one of them was a regional show. And then I got back and I, I understudied a, a play roundabout. And then that ended and I was unemployed for like eight months. And I was like, gotcha. Got it. Cool, 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 cool. And that's kind of like when I really became like a New York, yeah, New York actor, just getting kicked in the nuts and like, <laughs> you know, taking my lumps. So it was, yeah, it was pretty, a pretty wild transition, especially being from a pretty small town and have spent having spent no time, like not very much time ever in my life in New York city. It was pretty wild to be like from a dirt road and then immediately yeah. living in New York city for 18 years in a row, which I did. Seriously. Until you, yeah, and never, then you decided to move out. Yeah. I moved, I got a house upstate in the, in, during the pandemic and I kept my little studio that I lived in for 10 years. And then I just couldn't afford to have the, the studio anymore. So we got rid of that in, in May, but yeah, I had a I had a long un, uninterrupted run. I think I was one of the only ones of my friends that, or one of the only ones of my friends that never was like in LA for six months or a year. Like went out and did like pilot seasons there. I was just like a New York lifer for eighteen years, oh, just taking it. No sunshine, no nothing, just taking it. <laughs> Get your vitamin D from the reflection that bounces off. Exactly. The yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's. I I'll admit I I fell down a rabbit hole the last few weeks watching uh like new york apartment tours just to show like one how expensive and how ridiculous sure. they are how much you don't want to be there <laughs> exactly like how much is it eight nine ninety five right what? for a two bed yeah. okay um it's just insane so when you have those periods of you know I'm, I'm not booking anything i'm auditioning like crazy nothing's happening what were you doing for for side or side i almost said gigs and uh, whatever um side, so jigs. side jigs uh yeah. you know those side Dude, i had a i had a lot i um in my 20s i i bartended catering gigs a bunch that was nice. like my main that was kind of like what everybody did there was like such a huge contingent of bros like that were like actor models like model model actors i think it was like one of the name of the companies i was not uh one of those model guys but <laughs> they, it was like all actors and models and we would like drive out to the Hamptons and do weddings and shit. It was crazy. Um, but kind of like there was a bit of romance in it now that I look back on it. It was a pretty wild thing. We would drink a lot and hang out a lot and like laugh a lot. There was like, it was like pretty low stakes. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, so I did that a bunch. And um, then I, I kind of just like always kept my cost of living and my like overhead as low as I could. So that when I did get some residual checks or some TV stuff or did a couple commercials or whatever, I could sort of like ride the lightning on that for a little bit. So I always had roommates. I lived in some pretty like seedy parts of New York City 
for a couple years. It was like up, like, you know, I was like living on like 198th street in wood and shit. And just was like, it did not, it was not like super bougie for sure. But then I started kind of, I don't really remember when I didn't have to have a day job anymore, but I, I think probably when I started doing VO stuff, I was able to to get some good ones of those or just like have some consistent enough work to cover rent. And then, yeah, I think I got fired from one of those catering companies. And then I was like, well, fuck it. I don't know. Like try to get, I'm going to see if I can just like give it a go without this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I remember think I still do feel like to me, that's like my ultimate, I remember being so broke and being like, if I can just not have a day job, that's like my version of being like a movie star. That's like my version of like being like, that's as successful as I want to be. If I can just not be like getting yelled at by, you know, some Italian dude at a wedding in the Hamptons, I'll be fine. (laughs) So yeah. I, uh, I, I want to commend you for, making that shift man because that i think that's the the moment whether or not you know somebody quote unquote makes it afterwards you've lived that life of okay i'm done being a, a surf in this this like weird crazy wacky job Coworkers are great these people suck you know like yeah uh it was july of 2022 i was a bartender for about eight years and i decided i'm, I'm done i'm done mm-hmm. getting yelled at by people and babysitting sure um, so I, I completely agree with that. Like, let's just try to make it work. So, yeah. uh, I did want to touch on your voiceover work, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, had you always known maybe you had a voice? Cause you do have a voice for voiceover for sure. I mean, the, the register is crazy, but did you ever think about doing that before you started booking gigs or was it more of a, maybe your agent said, Hey, yeah, uh, you should try this out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, I, I kind of feel like I liked voiceover stuff more, not liked more. I, I feel like I like was drawn to it more subconsciously than the acting stuff. I remember driving in my car or not in my car. I remember driving with my dad when I was a kid and listening to the radio and hearing those like DJ voices where they're like 95 triple X. And I was just like, what the fuck? What? It, who is, is that a person who's making that? Uh, sound who's talking and being like, Hey, what's up? It's your drive, like drive time radio. I just like, I just was like fascinated by whatever that was, whatever that like DJ vibe was. Um, and then I got to New York. I never thought about it. And then I ran into my buddy who was doing like nothing at the time. He just was like, not acting, not doing anything, but he was like, didn't have another job. And, um, I was like, what are like, what have you been up to? And he was like, just doing voiceover stuff, dude. Just doing like VOs. And I was like, wh- how, where? And he was like, my commercial agents just like send me out on these like VOs. I was like, been doing a couple Look, fucking pays good, dude. It's like pretty chill. I'm like in my pajamas and shit. Like, dude. and I was like, I, what, like, how can this exist? And I can't. And so I went to my commercial agency where I'd booked like a bunch of on-camera commercials for years and was like, yo. I, it was, it felt so stupid at the time. Cause I was like, I didn't know nobody told like, how do you, do you guys have a voiceover department? And they were like, yeah, it's that whole like wing. It's this like, yeah, it's like 50 people down here. And I was like, can I do that? And they were like, um, I mean, you could try, we could try. So I met this woman and she was like, sure. I'll send you out on a couple things. 
and she did. And the first one she sent me out on was this like cruise line regional commercial that you, they wanted like some like guy to sound like a stoner or something. And I got it and I was like, holy shit, dude, that was easy. And, uh, which it's not, but I, uh, I booked like my first thing and then they just kept sending me out. And then I just kept grinding away and got some pretty good ones and then was able to save a bit of money. So it was like that kind of like, just like not even knowing it, just like actor, like, can I do that? And they were like, <laughs> yeah, I guess. And then that became like a pretty big part of my career stuff for, for, for a long while. Wow, man. That yeah. see VO, I think is, uh, an undiscovered underrated side of the profession that a lot of people are, you know, cause they want to be on camera, right? It's the sure. vanity and the narcissism and every sure. single artist. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you're right. It's not easy because you're going to spend like four or five hours straight drying your you know vocal cords out and trying to make it sound convincing and exciting. Uh, so like right where you are now, or is this like your little, your booth or is this just yeah, your this computer is our, desk? This is our bedroom in here, but yeah, this is my little microphone and booth and stuff. I got some other shit that you can't see in here, but yeah, this is where I have been doing stuff from home for years. So yeah, it doesn't, I mean that everything, obviously like the rest of the industry, everything like completely turned upside down. So I used to be like schlepping from thing to thing and bookings and auditions. And it was all these like massive, crazy, beautiful VO studios in New York. And now it's like, my dresser and uh our bed and uh sometimes my dog is just like sleeping right there and i'm doing auditions and stuff so i i it, you know it's everybody has different opinions about it and mm -hmm. everybody has different experiences with it but the uh the work from home stuff has been has been a lifesaver for me because i get to live in a beautiful place that i love that makes me mm -hmm. feel calm instead of makes me feel crazy so that's uh been good but i remember in the strike people were like you know no more self-tapes like i want to be in the room for everything which to in a certain extent uh, there's parts of that that i agree with but yeah. for me i'm like i <laughs> you could please let me keep self-taping or i'll be in <laughs> i'll be in trouble i'll be riding the train a lot down to the city <laughs> well the self-tape thing is a oh god i feel like half of the people i know and i work with yeah they want to be in person again yeah I personally love self tapes. What, what, what do Same. you, I mean, when you first started doing, I mean, well, actually, no, when did you start doing self tapes? Was that during the pandemic or in New York? Did you guys have a chance to do self tapes there as well? Even though there's like, yeah, room. I made a bunch of self tapes um, before the pandemic. My agency had a really beautiful taping room. It was so awesome. They had like oh, a nice. sound. They, I'm talking about it like they don't have it anymore. We just don't use it. <laughs> they had this amazing, like brand new state of the art taping room that was so like bougie to tape in like lights you could turn off and on to like make it with different backgrounds you could pull down it was totally soundproof it was sick so i any chance i could i would try to like tape in there um uh but i i feel like the self-taping thing sort of started to happen kind of maybe 2017 18 19 mm -hmm. and i made some but a lot of it was in person I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever got a self tape before COVID. I don't think I ever, cause it would just sort of go to like the ether in LA yeah. or where, where, wherever it goes, wherever <laughs> beamed into a hard drive somewhere. But, um, yeah, I, I mostly just started 
actually really doing that in a functional way during COVID, like oh. in my kitchen and in my house during COVID. In your kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's usually where I do them. Standing okay, in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> well, like after, uh, let's talk about post-strike stuff, man. Cause sure. it was, I, I'm going to round it up to, you know, a good eight months or so of just like, we do from the writer side and then the actor side post-strike. What has your experience been like? Like after New Year's going into it, has it been really busy? Has it been kind of slow? Has it been questionable? Yeah, I would say it is probably leaned more towards kind of slow mm-hmm. for, I would say for almost everybody I know, I think um, also maybe based on like expectations, I think there was like a bit of an expectation that when the strike was over, it was going to be like, just get, it was going to like rain down from the skies, there's yeah. tapes and appointments and stuff. So um, yeah, it's been pretty slow. It's been pretty uh, underwhelming. I've had a couple of cool things to tape for, but certainly has not been like this gold rush craziness. It does not seem like they're, they were like, everybody back to work. Holy <laughs> shit. Like it's been like <laughs> kind of waiting for the phone to ring a bit, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely glad that that resolved itself. That was it. Last year was a pretty crazy year. I was able to work a little bit, but was, you know, for everybody, a pretty, a pretty rough, a pretty rough ride. It was a rough but, go, man. Yeah, I don't, I, I honestly, like, I don't know. I'm a little bit, like, uh, up here in the middle of the woods. So I'm sure there's people that you talk to that would know, like, all of the ins and outs of why everything's the way it is. But I don't know, man. I, I definitely thought I was going to be uh, a bit busier. And uh, <laughs> hopefully hopefully that, that'll happen. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, you know. I, it, I mean, in all fairness, I, I'm feeling the same thing. Uh, I had a job in December. And then after January, all my friends are saying like, yeah, first audition in 2024. Yeah. And I'm just playing like Harry Potter World Cup yeah. <laughs> with my girlfriend. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. But, you know, last year when I reached out to you, I had seen you in a few things before, but I saw you in No Hard Feelings. Mm. And now that we can talk about it, I just have sure. to ask you about, you know, your experience working on that film, working with Jennifer Lawrence and, yeah. uh, and, you know, one of the best comedies to come out in probably the last like good 10 years or so. Uh, what was your experience like for that? Was it, was that also a self tape? Yeah, uh, man, that yeah. was totally self tape. That was from the LA office of my agency, which I don't hear from super often. So, um, that was, a that was like, I didn't even like recognize the like name on the email. I was like, <laughs> They were like, this is a really cool project. This is a really funny script. Um, this could be a really great part for you. And I read it and it was originally, I think I originally read for the, the Evan Moss back rack part to like the, 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 oh, that guy, yeah. Ga- yeah, Gary, I think his name was. Yeah. And he, he who is, he was great. A great choice for that for sure. <laughs> awesome. But uh, I originally read for that and the sides were super fun. And, um, I just kind of fucked around and had a good time and. Um, I just really enjoy that material. I think I spent a, like a long time trying to like get it dialed to be like kind of sad and yeah. funny in that way. And um, sent it back and like, didn't hear anything back. And like three weeks later, they were like, Hey, can you read this other part? And it was the part that I ended up getting. And I sent another tape. And then a couple of days later, they were like, got the offer for that. So that was pretty cool and that's you know definitely like closer to the kind of thing that i want to be doing i i I think that was a a really fun job it was a really fun little i mean obviously it was a small 
part in the film, but it was just super fun to work on. And the director was awesome. And Jennifer was awesome. And the day was great. And Andrew who plays Percy. And it was, it just was really fun. It was like, there's some days on shows or films that we've all done where you're like, cool. Like I'm just basically like a glorified extra. Yeah. People are talking to me like this is my first day ever doing this. This is super debasing and kind of bizarre. But that one was really <laughs> fun. And the writer was hilarious and everybody was there and we were changing stuff. We did that scene so many times. It was so much fun, dude. We like did no everybody's way. coverage for hours and we had so many different versions of that. So when I left, I had no idea what they were going to use. Like there was ones where like I cried and shit. The director was so funny. He was like... <laughs> He was like, can you cry? And I was like, I can't. I was like, I can try. And he was like, try. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it was re it was so stupid and so funny and like so like low, crazy pressure. Like we had so much coverage and improv and it, it was really, really fun. That was like how you want everything to feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she was great. And um yeah good good uh good gig as far as those go for sure buddy i'm so glad that they let you do multiple yeah. just inc an incredible amount of takes because as yeah. i was watching it please tell me this wasn't you know like a five take deal you yeah. know oh we Holy did so much shit. stuff it was so and and they were so funny with improv stuff it was really hard to keep it together <laughs> like they they're both amazing actors and it was it was just really fun to have it like i mean and i think too like that was such a testament <clears throat> for those times where I just, try, I think for me, like <clears throat> what I always try to do is just like stay loose and not um, plan on doing anything, which I think is hard to do, especially with auditions and stuff like auditions versus doing the job or acting in a thing are so different and they get so conflated to be the same thing sometimes. And it's like, bro, I'm like, like I said, standing in my kitchen and like either acting with my girlfriend or like acting with my fucking dog in my kitchen. This, this ain't <laughs> acting chief. This is not, uh, this is not the vibe. So it was hard to not want to have like bits to do or want to plan on stuff or not know if it was literally going to be like the whole day on Jennifer two takes for me. So I really tried to, stay loose and just let it just like kind of learn the let's like know the lines and yeah. then let it be kind of whatever and it was really fun to like work in that way and not feel the pressure to just like nail it and then they're like see you later don't remember what your name is but have a night yeah you're done it was cool to like be there all day and be like yeah. oh i'm like acting in this thing we're like talking and like stuff's happening and i can like take my time it was really it was super fun and a, and a good like lesson to remember to just like show try to show up loose and like let it kind of happen and all your plans never yeah. really all the cool shit you plan to do yeah. <laughs> usually usually you don't get to do it or the director's like hey can you not just don't do just say it just say it don't yeah. do all that this shit they should take it down a little bit yeah. you know we loved what you did less yeah, uh, you're not adam driver <laughs> just just fucking say it cool nothing's worse than um you know a co-star role when you do like two takes, you've been waiting there all day and they say, all right. Yeah. And that's a wrap on our referee. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, Dave. And you're like Quincy and they're like, whatever. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Sign yeah. this and get out of here. 
Yeah, I've uh, had plenty of those for sure. Yeah, the the, the very like career building but thankless roles that we've all yeah, done yeah. for sure. Um, well, with uh, with all of that, man, with everything you've done, I am curious to see what you have for this. I always ask our guests if they have a party story that they could share. So something that has occurred or is like a standout mm. moment in your career that you'd easily tell friends at a party. Is there anything mm. that comes to mind? I think so. Yeah. I, one time, um, the only time I worked at a restaurant, I worked at this restaurant that had this big event space upstairs and, uh, I got off this like brunch shift and there was this huge thing they were setting up for. And I went upstairs to like hang out with this bartender named Kobe. Of course his name was super cool bartender guy named Kobe. So I went upstairs and I was like having a couple like beers with him after my shift. And I was like, what's like, there was like so much stuff happening in this room. And I was like, what's going on here, man? He was like, there's some like rap party for some movie. And I was like, interesting. So I hung out uh, for a little bit and was just like shooting this shit with people that I knew there, like coworkers and stuff. And then all of a sudden this like party happened and I'm wearing like a t-shirt and I was like a gross, like, like I'm disgusting. And I'm sitting at the bar, like talking to my bartender friends and, uh, Clive Owen walks in and I was like, dude, is that, is that Clive Owen? I still was like, I had no idea what it was. And Clive Owen like comes over and is standing next to me at the bar. And I look at him and he looks at me and I was like, holy shit, dude, that's fucking, there's like a, there was like a billboard of inside man like out the window that I could see. It was that long ago. And I was like, holy shit, dude, that's, that's that guy. Like he's so good. And these girls run up behind us and are like, are you like, Oh my, are you wait? I know who you are. And he like looked at me and I looked at him and he was like, and I, she, he, this girl yelled at me. Do you know who he, who is he? Who is that man? And I looked at him and he was like, he basically was like, and I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And they fucked off. He ordered a drink and he was like, thank you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And, uh, we just chatted and <clears throat> he was waiting for someone who was super late and we just chatted and he was like, do you want to come sit like over in this corner in the corner? kill time because i told him i was an actor we were talking about stuff and so i was sitting in the corner i was probably like 24 with clive owen looking at his face and then there was like a billboard of him behind his face <laughs> through this big glass window and we just chatted i was like really trying hard to like keep it together and we had a really awesome conversation and we were talking about like marriage and like acting and stuff and it was like it was yeah it was a party story that happened at a party but I remember he, I said, what do you, what do you do? Like, what do you, is there something you always tell yourself or how do you, what do you, what do you say to yourself when you're acting or something? And he said, I always just say to myself, believe the words that are coming out of your mouth. He's like, I'm just always telling myself that. And I thought that was so cool. And I thought it was going to be like so much deeper and more like metaphysical than that. And I was just yeah. like, that's yeah, dude. Yeah, that's like so basic and so awesome. And so, I, yeah, I, I'm sure if I thought hard about it, there'd be a couple of them. But that was a pretty like that was like the first time I'd ever like hung out with like a very famous person when I was very young and had it be like we were just like two guys hanging out. 
That is, uh, holy shit. That is, <laughs> that's one of the greater party stories we've had on the show oh, good. by far. Because it's because it just starts off so like, is someone going to freak out? You know, like what what's going to happen here? But just turns yeah. into one of those memories that is it's so much better than running up to somebody on a red carpet and saying I'm a huge fan and yeah. to say thanks and they leave. You know, yeah. Um, which I always I always feel it's always almost feels like cringy even having those interactions because yeah. as a person who does this, like you just never want somebody to think that you're like fanning out. It's just such a weird balance to strike where it's always like, do I not talk to this person who I'm like working with? Do I like, like play it cool? Or are you like, Hey, what's up, man? You're like, Oh, what's your name? Oh, Jake Jones. Oh, cool. 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 Like, it's like, it's so, so it's all, I feel like it's like tough to navigate those things unless you're just like, you get a window to just like be a person. Yeah. You do something long enough. You do enough days with somebody that you just like can have like a, rapport and, a, and, a, and an actual vibe but i think most of the time and for good reason those people tend to be like pretty on guard especially when mm -hmm. they're at work so i'm always like hey i don't right <laughs> like keep that guy away from me which i've <laughs> definitely seen people do and been like yikes yeah you go for the soft opening like yeah. oh hey this is this is quincy hey man nice to meet you yeah you just like and just walk away <laughs> what's, what's your name again yeah. cool man cool 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 yeah are you an yeah. actor <laughs> nice nice that's cool man what have you ever you seen you before or anything yeah <laughs> you do this a lot like it's your full-time job uh, uh you look you look super familiar yeah <laughs> dude you 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 touched on on something really pertinent with what he what he passed on to you and it's always good to have like a piece of advice that you you hang on to in your career mm -hmm. right that, that carries you on so serendipitously enough, uh, my next question, as we go into the you know, last part of the episode, is always if you have a piece of advice that you've held on to. So mm. is it, you know, Clive Owen's words or do you have something that you've held on to just intrinsically uh, when it comes to your career and just really thriving in this crazy chaotic job that we have? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man, if I have anything super specific. I remember the first job I ever did. Um I, I had where I did I played Stanley in Streetcar Named Desire and the woman that played Blanche was this older actress who I loved and she was such a pro and she was so awesome and it was like the first actress I'd ever worked with that wasn't like a kid my it wasn't like a mm. person from acting school it's like the first mm. real person I ever was working with and she was the first person that told me like you have to have other stuff going on like this industry no matter how it's going is not like a sustainable identity it's not going to ever be enough and i'd never really thought about that and i was really young at the time and i'm sure i had the thought that we all have which is like yeah for you because i'm gonna be a huge like i'm gonna be a star yeah and i think that that's i wouldn't say that that's like that's just advice that i remembered yeah. um that yeah, you got to have some other stuff because no matter how it's going or how well you think it will go, I think there's so many curveballs in this industry. And, um, you know, the people that we become aware of are generally so successful and are doing so well that we become aware of them. And there's just so many people that are so talented and awesome and work so hard in this business and, you know, don't get enough career juice or, are just kind of cobbling it together that if you don't find kind of a way to 
feel whole without it. It's really, really tough. And I struggle with it all the time. You know, that's advice that I give myself all the time. That is not something that I've like figured out how to do. So I definitely think the times were, like we said, were after the strike where I'm thinking like, all right, here we go. Like, this is going to, I'm going to be like smashing HBO and Netflix tapes all day, baby. <laughs> Mostly I'm hanging out with my dog, yeah. um, trying to stay sane and going fishing and just like getting oil changes on the car and like, you know, normal day-to-day -day shit to like pass the time. And then, yeah. you know, when I do get something, it's hopefully good and right for me and I can be excited to work on it. And hopefully it comes out of nowhere, you know, like you're not yeah. even thinking about a self-tape or a VO job or anything. You're just, you're living your yeah. life. So yeah, that's, yeah. I love that. And man. I think those times it, it does feel like it's like, I mean, I think some of the, yeah, it's like anything else. It's like mm -hmm. with dating people, with making friends with people, with any, with anything, it's the, it never feels good to be like chasing it it never feels good to be desperate and it's so easy to feel that way. Oh God. Yeah. And it's yeah. so easy to, it's like, I don't know when people are like, be cool, just be cool. I've never been good at like being cool. It's impossible. So, yeah. It's impossible to yeah. be cool. So I think, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And uh, yeah. I think that the more you can try to even fool yourself to like, just keep believing and staying sane because for me a lot of the times i'm just like faking it till i make it right yeah yeah that's i think that's very important i think it's something a lot of us probably learned during the strike if you were desperate if you were chasing it you found something else and now you're in a better spot for it you know yeah um i know uh you know right now things are crazy and the industry is just i feel like it's it's just always changing since covid but i do want to see if there's anything that you want to give a shout out to or you want to promote you know it doesn't have to be like a movie or a project it could just be like a charity or uh something in the news or an organization you really care about mm. is there anything i could put in the show notes um yeah i did a i uh it's not a charity unfortunately but i <laughs> was able to i did a i did an indie film in france over the strike that we got a waiver to do it was called the commoner at the time. I don't know whether it's going to be called that ultimately, but that was a super fun movie with some really cool people. And um, yeah, I did that and hopefully that'll come out and do well and people will see it and people will like it. But yeah, that's kind of the only thing I've got in the, uh, in the pipe there. Hey. Pike? Pipe? I don't know. Pike? Is it? Down, yeah. Is it pipeline? Pike? I think it, I, maybe it's down the pike. I think somebody said it. down the pike. <laughs> And yeah. it ended up being and you were a like, that's effect. wrong. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, no, it's down the pipe, you moron. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those. It should, it, I feel like it should be down the pipe, but it might be down the pike. We'll find out when we get yeah. roasted. At some point, at some point, we'll hear it. Uh, dude, I, I have one more thing we yeah, do before the end of the show, but I just want to sure. say, like, uh, and for those of you who are listening, I contacted Quincy at, like last June or July. Uh, the strike happened and we've been waiting months to do this. So it's been a pleasure you know, just chatting with you, learning more about you on a, in my end of the U S at least a very early morning as I'm still trying to get my bearings. Yeah. Uh, but it's been great, man. I just want to say like, thank you first and foremost for coming on the show. This has been yeah, awesome. Of course. Thanks for uh, having me, man. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Good to, good to good. chat for sure. The show's cool. I, I listened to a bunch of episodes when we were 
on some long road trips. And so, Oh, sweet. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's always, uh, it's always nice to hear, but the, uh, the critic in me is like, don't listen to that shit. Just, <laughs> just do your own interview. Um, no, man, I, I really appreciate it. Like sincerely, this has been great. And hopefully like down, down the pike, uh, we can have you back on the show. Yeah. I'd love to. I would eventually want to go on the road and start doing this, you know, live. So if I'm ever yeah, up in New York, cool. hit you up. Uh, yeah, but, that'd be cool. Well, I'd say we have, man, is a, an awkward goodbye. So I, uh, one of my favorite movies is Wayne's World. Uh, and I love the the scene where I'm not sure. Have you seen it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And Garth like shuts down because Wayne leaves and he's just kind of freaking out in front of the, the cameras. Uh-huh. That is the sort of like basic point of our awkward goodbye. So I'm just going to uh-huh. do a silent three, two, one. I want to point to you. Just give us your best verbal and visual awkward goodbye. And we'll end it on there. Does that sound Sounds fun? Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. All right, so here we go, man. In three, two. I'll call you. You got my, you got my email and stuff. You could, you can call me what. Call me whenever you want. Are you still? Fucking, he left. All right. Okay, that was fun. Well, there you have it, everybody. I just want to thank Quincy for coming on the show. It was just so much fun. And if all of you really enjoyed this episode or just enjoy this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It only helps the show grow to accrue more guests and more listeners around the world. So until next time, everybody, have a great day, and I will see you in five.